You're listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. You guys doing well? You can hang with me as long as you want. It's just way better when you're there. You know the best part about church today is I get to listen to Jeremy lead worship twice. Was that incredible? Okay, I'm going to ask you again. Was that good? There we go. It was more than good. It was gooder. It was gooder. So we guys, we got to get higher. We got to get up higher. We've, we've got to get up high and see from God's perspective. If we don't, we're going to get lost in the weeds. And uh, it's amazing. Every, every uh, morning I go and, I be, and, I, and I'm with Jesus in the secret place, I come out encouraged. I come out full of faith, full of hope, and I'm excited. Has anybody else had the same like experience? Like, I'm telling you, every time I go and I get into the presence of God, I leave excited, full of faith, full of hope, full of love, ready to change the world. Okay, I just think that today I'm gonna I'm gonna just share a really fun word with you out of Judges chapter six and John chapter six. And we're gonna have six, I don't wanna call them points, but six different things that we're gonna highlight. And I just hope that we could all get out of the weeds a little bit and see from heaven's perspective. Now, I need you to see this, that that Moses parted the Red Sea, Jesus walked on the sea. Okay, let me say it one more time. Moses, the old covenant, parted the Red Sea, Jesus walked on the sea. Okay, Moses was a... He was a type of Christ and he came and he brought them out of the bondage of Egypt. And in a sense, he was a political leader. Jesus came from a different kingdom. Right? And he came and he said, let's just totally ignore what's happening in the world and let's get up a little bit higher. And he walked on that water. And when he walked on the water, he said to the disciples and everybody that was following him, I'm God. I'm king. And right right before, right before Jesus walks on the water, we're going to get to the story in John 6, you see Jesus and he, he, the fish and the loaves, two fish, five loaves, we're going to get there. And you see that when the, when the miracle takes place and they feed not 5,000, but probably 15,000 plus people because they only counted the men in that day with two little fish and five loaves, the immediate response of the church people were, let's make him political ruler. You guys follow me? See, they were looking for a Messiah that looked like Moses. This is, this is really, you need to catch this. If, if you get one thing, get this, we've got to get higher. So what does Jesus do? Oh, you want to force me to be king? I'm just going to duck out over here. I'm from a different kingdom. And then the boys go and they get in the boat and they begin to travel on the water, right? And when they they see one of the greatest miracles and then they're out on the water and the sea kicks up and they're in a storm and here comes Jesus, 
right? The boat represents the church and the disciples represent you and me. And they were smart enough to ask Jesus to get into the boat. Are you? What happened? They're in the sea. They see Jesus. Jesus says, here I am. And they go, come. And he comes and he gets in the boat. And the moment he's in the boat, guess what? They're immediately on the other side. Church, what if we invited Jesus? What if we didn't try to enthrone Jesus into a political place, but we put him on the throne of our heart? He didn't come to be a throne, enthroned to become the president of the United States of America. I don't, I don't worship the president. Do you know that when Paul, oh man, here we go. Do you know that when Paul wrote the book of Romans and said, we need to honor our authority, he was honoring a man who murdered Christians. You guys know those Roman candles that you lit yesterday night? You know what those really are? They would take Christians, cover them in oil, and light them on fire. And you're complaining about a face mask. Get higher. Get higher. Go higher. Get up high. You're seated in heavenly places. See, there's three heavens. There's the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. Right? First heaven, that's earth. Everybody say earth. That's this kingdom he created the heavens and the earth. He created this. Then there's the second heaven. That's where Satan has power, but he has no authority. Do you guys understand that the devil has power, but he has zero authority? The only authority he has is when the church gives it to him. And so that's the second heaven. Then you have the third heaven where you and I are seated by Jesus in heavenly places. And we're supposed to think heavenly thoughts. Right? Come on, this is, you gotta catch this. We've gotta get higher. And so right now, we're fighting a battle in the second heaven from first heaven, but we gotta get to the third heaven where Jesus is, and we've gotta win this thing, but we're not gonna win it by complaining. We're not gonna win it by murmuring. We're not gonna, man, I'm not gonna wear a mask. Get over yourself and be on mission. I'm gonna be just a little bit edgy and then I'm gonna be a pastor. Just gotta be a little bit edgy. For those in this room that say, I'm not gonna wear a mask, would you wear one into a nursing home where a 90 year old's on their deathbed about ready to die and they've never heard the gospel before? Would you put that mask on, go in that nursing home and preach the gospel? Or are you too prideful? I'm not gonna wear a mask, I'm free. Are we gonna live on mission or are we gonna allow a silly little mask? All we do is post on Facebook, I'm not gonna wear a mask. How about you post on Facebook that Jesus is king? I know this is a little bit edgy. When I walked in the building, I lost pastor and I became prophet. I'm sorry. But we've got to think higher. And sometimes you'll only think higher if somebody provokes you a little bit. See, this is your church, or maybe this is where you came to visit, and God didn't give you the microphone, he gave it to me. Maybe if he wanted everybody to be rebelling against masks, he'd give it to you. Or maybe he wants somebody that's just a little bit higher. It's been with Jesus 
sitting with him, seeing beyond all of it. Do I like mass? Absolutely not, no. But am I gonna complain about it? Am I gonna use my energy that I've been given by God to bring him glory to complain about something that's gonna be gone in a year from now? Or am I gonna preach Jesus? I'm gonna preach Jesus. As people are complaining and not going places because they have to wear a face covering, I'm in a mall just last week in Tyrone Mall. There's a man, you can go on my Facebook and see it. He had a cane and he could barely walk. I said, sir, what's going on? With a face mask on, what's going on? I've got level 12 pain in my leg. In Jesus' name, be healed. He walks like this. He comes back. It's six now. Really, let's pray again. In Jesus' name, be healed. He walks all the way down to the food court. He's doing this, completely healed. No more pain. 30 minutes later, I watched him walk around the mall holding his cane that he was using to hold him up. That was with a face mask on. What did you do this week with your face mask off? just sit there for a minute see the problem is Christians don't live on mission their mission becomes reacting to everything that's thrown at them what happens when real persecution hits ladies and gentlemen what are you going to do then this is not persecution right we, we were in Iraq that's persecution we were in India Luke and I and, and a few others and, and Scott and Right before we got to that city, 12 people were hung in a church. Let's talk about that. See, the problem with Americans, I'm putting myself in that problem, is Americans see one way. They see their way. The American way. They have the Burger King Christianity. Have it your way. Well, go have it your way in India. You guys are starting to like me. I can tell. There was a person over there that was frowning, but now they're smiling. We got through. But I just, I just can't shake this. I, I, I mean, there's a lot more in there that I want to say, but I'm not. All I want you to hear before we jump into this is, is can we live on mission? And can we think higher? And can, am I telling you to support things that are bad? No, listen, the mark of the beast is not a mask and it's not Bill Gates. The mark of the beast is humanistic thinking. The most satanic you'll ever be is when you say, I will. And not God's will. That's why Jesus, for you theologians, says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. It wasn't about a mark on his forehead or an implant in his, uh, in his wrist. It was humanistic thinking. The number six is the number of man. Get higher, it was humanistic thinking. It was a world thinking. It was this thing of, I'm going to do this. And, and, and he said, get behind me. The one that he just said, God revealed this to you. The next statement, he says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. What if it's not a tattoo on your forehead? What if it's humanistic thinking? But we watch YouTube videos and YouTube videos say this and they say that. Listen, do you guys know 
that there are companies that make YouTube videos that are fake and then they put ads in them and they're making money selling fear to you. Like the one with Bill Gates where he's standing there talking about this thing that they're gonna give you that's gonna take out that. It's manufactured. And you watch it hundreds of thousands of times and then they make money off your fear. Get higher. Get higher. We've got to get higher. We've got to get up high. I know you don't like hearing some of the things I'm saying, but get higher. Everybody has opinions. They're like armpits. They stink. Everybody has opinions. I want fruit. We were on a beach, right, in Florida last week. That's why I'm wearing my Florida shirt. And we're out there and I walk over to a group. I don't really know what I'm going to say, but I, it smelled like weed and other things. And I walked over. I said, hey, guys, uh, Jesus loves you. And they had their music going. And it was not Kanye West's new album. And uh, I get a word of knowledge for one of, like, there's 12 in the group. And, and this one girl says, turn off the music. We're going to pray. They turn the music off and the presence of God comes right there get higher you got to get up high if you get one thing from this this is what you got to get from this I got to get higher I've got to see from God's perspective I need to walk on the water I need to get up above it and so we pray this lady encounters the presence of God and I share the gospel my testimony and I walk back over to our group and about 10 minutes later this lady she comes over and she says, hey, um, yeah, I was in that group over there and um, I'm a devout Catholic and, and I just want you to know that I actually asked God for a sign today and then you came and, and she just begins to just pour out her heart and she's wearing a two-piece two bathing suit and not much was covered. Get higher. Get higher. Come on, church, get higher. The harvest field doesn't look like what you think it's gonna look like. You know, like the Chaz zone down there that you guys are all mad at? What if that's your next church? Get higher. You can only have influence over what you love. Get higher. I just love that Scott and the boys went down there. It's beautiful. So she comes over and she's talking to my wife and, and Chelsea's sharing with her. And I said, have you ever been like saved, born again, born from above? Like you have to, you have to be born again. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? No. Oh, well, you need one. Would you like one? Absolutely. With tears in her eyes, she prays. Right there, right? As she's like putting out her cigarette and, and, and tucking her uh, lighter in her bikini. Get higher. <laughs> tears in her eyes. Hey, have you ever heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No, I never have. Right there on the beach. Lay my hand on her head. Begin to pray in the Spirit. She begins to pray in tongues on the beach. 30 seconds after she gets saved. Get higher. You've got to get higher. Well, you know, I just, I'm, not, I'm an American. I'm not going to wear a mask. Get higher. Do I want to wear a mask? No, I don't want to wear a mask. I hate it. But I was in the TSA line with a mask on. And there was a really well, well-dressed black man behind us. And I said, hey, sir, what? I mean, really well-dressed. I said, why don't you go in front of my little troop? because it's going to take us a little while. So he gets in the TSA line, and he puts his, his uh, stuff on, and he has TSA pre-check, which means I can get through faster. And so he goes through the line, and, 
and his something's beeping, so they send him back through, and he's not very happy about that. And so my little family's standing there watching with our masks on, going, okay, what's going to happen? And they say, take your shoes off. And he says, I'm not going to take my shoes off. And about two minutes later, it gets pretty heated. He finally takes his shoes off, puts them on there, and I'm just watching, but I'm higher. I'm not getting mad at the man because he's wasting my time. I'm thinking, God, you got a word for this guy? So he gets through, he puts his shoes on. Now by this time, he's really mad and he's asking for management, right? And he's kind of plugging up the line a little bit and everybody's really agitated, but I'm higher. So I go through and now he's, he's telling the men that he wants to talk to management because they're little boys. Like, I don't want to talk to you little boys. You don't have any authority. I want to talk to your management. So I said, excuse me, sir. Um, I was going to say this one way or the other. And I can tell your emotions are a little bit high right now. So I'm just going to take a shot. The Lord spoke to me and told me that you have a bad knee. Is that true? And it's your left one, right? Silenced. All of TSA staring at him. Get higher, guys. With a mask on in TSA. TSA, like if God's going to show up in TSA, he can show up anywhere. That's like Nineveh. All right? Can I hear an amen for you travelers out there? Okay. So don't worry. We're going to read the Bible in a minute. The problem is, is that we watch the news and YouTube and we don't read the Bible. The news is great. I, I watch it. Well, it's not great. But I watch it. So he's there and, and, and he goes, I do. Wow, you know God. And he puts his hand in my hand, diffuses the entire situation. Gives me his hand. I begin to pray over him. God heals his knee in, t- in the TSA line. By the way, all of these stories are the last week. What did you do last year? Okay, now we're just calling you higher. I'm just here to provoke you just a little bit. Okay? Just a little bit. Inspire, love, and serve. My tagline would be provoke, love, and serve. No, joking. I love inspire. Inspiring's great. So we get through the line, and he says, actually, I'm running for the mayor of L.A., and he's born-again Christian. Gives me his number. We, we connect like he's high up in the government there. What if I would have been offended that I had to wear a mask and I was silent? What if I would have been offended at him because how dare he make me wait longer in a line with three kids and a pregnant wife? What if I would have got mad at TSA because they were arguing with him? What if I would have had an entitled attitude that says, give me mine, but I was higher? Can we just go higher, church? Like, can we just invite Jesus into our boat? What if you fasted complaining for a day? You may just change the world, amen? Okay. That was great. Sorry, that was my heart. It just came out. I'm going to now put it back in, collected. Now you get Pastor Chris. If you want the full message, come back uh, next service. We may get there. Okay. The title of this message is, Have I Not Sent You? Have I Not Sent You? And we're going to start in Judges chapter 6. And uh, we're going to go through this. It's not a long um, it's not a long message, but it's, I believe it's prophetic. And I think it's for the time that we're in right now. So it says, now the angel of the Lord, Judges 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat. Everybody say sat. 
So I want you to, to know this about God. He's not in a hurry. Okay? He's not in a hurry. I don't know where you're at right now with God. I don't know where you are at in your story, but God wants to take you from here to here today. You may share your faith one time in the next two years. I'm happy about that. As long as after that two years, you share it twice. Okay? I don't know where you're at in your journey, but I just want you to know that God is patient and he's coming and he's sitting with you. Now, the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah. Now, the terebinth tree, I think this is interesting. Jeffrey talked about David and Goliath. This is where David killed Goliath. So where Gideon, it was the valley of Tiberinth. Okay, this is where Gideon is called. Same place. I just love it. And we're going to get, when we get into John 6, you're going to see where David surfaces again. So which belonged to Joash, this is Gideon's father, uh, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in, everybody say wine press. So the first the, we're going to do six thes. The first the is the wine press. Okay, the wine press. Now, I just want to pull this out. It, it mentions Gideon's father, right? So for all the grandparents out there and all the parents, I'm a parent out there, we need to defeat the Goliaths in our lives so that our sons and daughters don't have to. I don't think this was Gideon's battle. Should have been his father's battle. What was the first thing that Gideon did? He went and took down all of his father's idols. So we need to remove the idols from our lives so we can then lead our children. But here you see the child, Gideon, the young man, having to do what his father should have done. They were actually in the place they were in because of what his father was doing. So in order to hide, so he's in the wine press. Right now we are in a wine press season, are we not? He's threshing wheat in a wine press. I think right now we're in a wine press. And in seasons of pressing is where God pulls out what you don't even know is on the inside of you. When Aaron, Pastor Aaron and I were in Iraq and we're in that mosque and we're standing there, um, things were pulled out of us that we didn't know were in us until we were in a wine press. And I love what Gary said. He said he found that the thing that he was complaining about became the actual thing that he could see the blessing of God in. Get higher. Get higher. It's amazing. So here's Gideon in the wine press. And what we see here is in times of pressing, God is looking for leaders. And that's what Jeffrey talked about in his worship clothes. Will you lead? You're called to lead. Right now, God is looking for those that will lead. I think it's interesting when God calls a person, it's often what they do. The boys were fishing. They became fisher of men. Gideon was threshing and he it's going to go and thresh the Midianites. So what you were doing when you were called, I was a fireman. I don't think they light fires, but anyways, okay. So, and the angel of the Lord appeared, verse 12, to him and said to him, uh, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord. I think that's how he said it. Oh my Lord, something like that. Uh, if the Lord is with us, then why? So the first the is the wine press. The second the is the why. Everybody say the why. 
You can preach better than that. Say the why. Not the YMCA, but the why. Okay, two people laughed. Just trying to recover from every mean thing I said at the beginning. Okay, so the Lord is with us. Uh, Why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. I love this, verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So God's reply to to Gideon's question is, have I not sent you? Why are we in the situation that we're in? Have I not sent you? Guys, get this. This is so prophetic. It's profound that right now we're asking, why do I have to wear a mask? Why are there these protests and these riots and all this racial stuff happening? What's going on? And God's saying, have I not sent you? And I believe that's what God is saying to myself and to you this morning. Have I not sent you? Every time you're about to complain, stop and hear these words. Have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? This is, what he, this is what he's saying to the church right now. Have I not sent you? Where are the miracles at, God? These miracles that we've heard about. And, what, and he says, have I not sent you? When's the last time you tried to work one? Right? Momentum happens when God and man, they meet in the middle. So we're having prayer meetings, waiting for God to come. And God's saying, I came. Have a prayer meeting, align yourself with what happened 2,000 years ago and change the world. Okay. So you see his answer to the why. So he said to him, oh Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man together in unity. It's a whole message. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. So you have the wine press, you have the why, and now you have the sign. Now, I love this because Gideon then says, I'm going to kind of paraphrase this because I don't have time to read it all. Gideon says, wait here, I'll be right back. And he goes and he gets bread and meat and he brings it and he puts it on the rock, which is Jesus. And the angel of the Lord takes the staff that was in like Moses' staff, what's in your hand? We're gonna get there in a minute. And he reaches it out and he touches it and fire comes on the rock. I love this. Gideon asks for a sign and he says, wait. Right, I love that Jesus says to us, wait, I'm gonna send fire. Now there's a lot more in this that we could preach, but I want you to see that the rock represents Jesus, the fire of the Holy Spirit. I just love that Gideon says, just wait. And the Lord says, I'll wait, but there's gonna come a time when you wait and I'm gonna send fire. So the sign for Gideon's a little bit different than the sign for a new covenant believer. He says, Jesus says, you ask for a sign, I will give you one sign. It's the sign of Jonah, the prophet, right? 
And he says, I'll be in the belly of the fish and then I'll come out, I'll resurrect. Guys, we don't need another sign. Well, God, I'll go to Walmart and share my faith if a rainbow cloud goes through the atmosphere, followed by this and that, and then it needs to rain Skittles, and then I will go. I know that was stupid, but anyway, it got some of you to laugh. So, right, we want these signs that are outrageous, like crazy, like out there, like, God, you show me a sign, I'll go to Africa. How about the sign of the resurrection? How about you being filled with the Holy Spirit? You don't need another sign. You've been signed, sealed, and the Holy Ghost has been delivered on the inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So, so guys, I'm preaching better than Jonathan's responding right now. Listen, I'm not yelling at all of, like one of you, I'm yelling at all of you at the same time. And the next service, my wife will be here, so I won't say anything mean. Probably not true. Okay, so what I want you to see here is that that fire fell, right? And that fire fell on us. So you don't need a sign. So the wine press brings out something in you that you don't know is in you. Has anybody ever bench pressed before? And you're like, you're like, okay, put some more weight on there. And they put more weight on there and it drops down. And you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And you don't think you can lift it up. But something in you, that pressure causes you to push it up. There's more in you than you know. And by the way, we're all gifted the same. Now, we might not all be gifted to stand on a stage and talk, but we're all gifted by the Holy Spirit. You have been given the greatest gift of all, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. Okay, now we're gonna jump over here quickly. I know that was the quickest three-point sermon you've ever heard. This is where it gets really good. Okay, because you're going to see the, the parallel. Because I think that if we're not careful, we read the Old Testament and it seems kind of out there. Like it's like when Pastor Aaron comes back and shares a story about being in a mosque in Iraq. And you're like, yeah, like I kind of believe that, but that's kind of out there. And then we post a picture of it and people are like, that's a fake made up picture. I'm like, no, I was standing next to that guy. Like he's a real guy. But those stories from the mission field can seem out there. They can be kind of like the Old Testament, and the New Testament brings it home a little bit more. So this story may be a little bit easier for us to grasp because we're not going to go thresh the Midianites today, but we may go feed somebody, okay? So we're going to start in verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, uh, then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain. He went up. He got good perspective. And there he sat with his disciples. There you see him sitting again. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, everybody say Philip. Where shall we buy bread that we may eat? Okay, so, and then it, it's, I'm gonna jump down here. It says, but, but this he said to test. Okay, so you had the wine press in Judges 6. Now you have the test in John 6. Okay, so he says this to Philip. Now, why is it important that we see Philip's name here? Because Philip was the first one to respond to the call. 
Philip should have known better. Right? Philip's that Christian that's been in church 40 years. 50 years. Yeah, I've seen a move of God. Okay, is he moving in your life today? I don't care about 20 years ago. What about right now today? Same God. Philip knew better. Philip was at Cana of Galilee when Jesus turned the water into wine. He was there. So there's a reason why Jesus asked Philip, who was with him the longest, what are you doing with what you've seen? What are we doing with what we've seen? So he's, he's here with Philip and he, and he asked this to test him. Like, so the test, so we had the wine press. Now we have the test and you, you think test. Well, God doesn't test me. Like to me, a test is a very negative word because I did not do well with tests. Like at all, not good. I don't even know if this is proper Spanish, but no bueno. I don't know. Was it right? Thumbs up from Jeffrey. Okay. So it was not good. Like when I think test, I think negative. And I think oftentimes we think there's no way a loving God would test us. But a loving God wants to pull out of you what's in you so the kingdom of God can be advanced on the earth. Right? And so God designs tests to pull out of you what's in you that would not otherwise have been pulled out of you. Can I, somebody give me an amen. Count it pure joy when you face various trials. Tests pull out of you. Wine press seasons pull out of you something that's in you. So you see, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. So they say that that would be about, that would maybe feed 2,000 people. So he gives a natural response. He doesn't say, Lord, if you want to do this, right? Jesus doesn't say to Philip, where are we going to get the money to buy the bread? He says, where are we going to buy it at? I need you to catch this. He doesn't say, hey man, I know we're a bit short. So where are we going to get the money to buy the bread? He says, where are we going to buy the bread? I've got the money. It's a test. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that everyone may have a little. Again, he was thinking little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad. So the second to last point would be the boy. Everybody say the boy. Now what I love about this is the boy was not even counted in the 5,000. Sounds a lot like David, right, Jeffrey? Was not even counted, right? So imagine being on the backside of the mountain, the great prophet of God comes into town and you're watching the sheep. And you're, like, you're not even invited to the party. This is the boy, he's not even counted in the number of men. It's just like David. So you see him and, and in the story, of you guys know the story of David, right? And Jeffrey talked about it this morning that they then called him from the field and said, here he is. I'm telling you that we're all like Davids. We're all like Gideons. We're all like this boy. 
God is not looking for a superstar. God is looking for somebody who has something in their hand. Somebody that's thinking higher. So here's this boy. And and it says about this boy that he had five barley loaves. Now, where they were at in Cana of Galilee, they had really, it was a certain kind of wheat that was amazing. And so barley was like, yeah, that's for the poor people. So it was not even like something that was, that they would be so like excited to eat. Like it, it was like going to McDonald's and not Whataburger for the Texas people in the room or in and out for you Californians. If you work at McDonald's, I'm sorry. I'll pray for you later. I go there and eat breakfast. So there's no judgment. So, It's a barley loaf, but what does the barley loaf represent? The barley was the first harvest, kind of like Jesus, the first fruits of the next to come. Everything means something in this passage. He's he's not that desirable, but he'll fill you up. He may not look like the best thing, but he's the best thing. So you see here, these they have... (laughs) Five barley loaves and two small fish. And they were probably pickled fish. That just sounds disgusting. He didn't have a fire. He's not just carrying around like, like these fish, like they're pickled. That's just gross. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Guys, listen. If you're not sitting down in this season, you will not be fed. If you're not seated in this season, you will not be fed. And if you are not eating the bread from heaven, you're eating other bread. And you will grumble and you will complain and you'll murmur and you will do nothing to advance the kingdom of God. You'll just simply walk around in the wilderness I love it. We're not going to get to it, but, but in a little bit down in John 6, they go, well, Moses gave us bread from heaven. And he says, no, he didn't. I did. I sent the bread and the bread was me. They always thought natural, kind of like the mark of the beast. Humanistic thinking. We cannot think like man thinks in this season. When I spend time with Jesus in this season, I think, Oh my gosh, we can change the world. There's never a better harvest field than right now. Like, think about the opportunity. Like, I don't want to get to the other end of 2020 and think, man, I missed it. Like, I want to win as many people to the Lord as I can. I want to be the most encouraging person on social media. I don't care if you ever hear me say anything about politics, but you're going to hear me talk about him. Listen, everything's political. They're going to take no matter what it is and they're going to turn it political and who cares? But Jesus is the bread of life. So you see in this moment, he says, sit down. So they sit down in obedience. You're like, well, listen, I mean, I've tried to spend time with God. Listen, in faith, they sat. They only had five loaves and two fish, but yet they sat. Until you take a step of faith and sit down, you're not going to get the bread from heaven. And I'm not telling you you got to sit for an hour. You might just sit for a minute. If you take five minutes and sit in the presence of God, you'll be satisfied. 
So he says, sit down. And, and uh, now there was much grass in that place. Um, there was much grass in that place. Um, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, last point here, and he said, and, he, and after he had given thanks, <laughs> he distributed them to his disciples. So what you give to Jesus, he multiplies and gives back to you, right? Gives to the disciples, to those sitting down. Uh, there might have been some standing around that didn't get any, but to those that were obedient and sat down, he gave. And likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments uh, that remain so that nothing is lost. So you have the wine press, you have the why, right? You have, so you have the wine press, the why, you've got the sign, you have the test, you have the boy, and then you have the lost. I just, when I read this the first time a couple weeks ago and saw this, he says, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. I thought, why would he do that? Like he could just multiply it tomorrow. 12 basketfuls. This is why. Because when you come to church and are satisfied and you leave not looking to give away what you've been given, you've missed it. He was thinking about those that would hunger even when he was satisfied. When you are satisfied, are you thinking about those that are hungry? He says, pick up the lost. On our journey, we're gonna find people that need what we have. And it's a picture of the word of God. When you are satisfied with the word of God, you then will share the eternal word of God with others. But if we're just kind of whatever, then we're gonna miss the mission that God has for us. So my question for you in closing is this, what is in your hand? Every single person has something in their hand. Well, I'm not Scott. Like, Scott is this amazing evangelist, like five-star general. I'm not that. But do you have peanut butter and jelly and bread? Why don't you make a sandwich and go give it away to somebody? Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm bold enough to walk up to somebody and do that. Do you have a car? Yeah. Okay, why don't you find somebody and just drive them to church and let Jonathan preach the gospel to them? Just what do you have in your hand? I'm not setting the bar way up here. I'm saying, what do you have today in your hand that you can give to God and he can take and multiply and give it to the world? He's not looking for a superstar. He's looking for a person that will think higher, take what they have, give it to him. He'll give it back to you and he'll put his super on your natural. Will you guys stand with me? If you're here, just even in your heart, and you're responding to this and you're going, okay, I want to be like Gideon. I want to be like David. I want to be like um, this boy that's not even counted among his brothers. And you're saying, I'm here and I want to be like them. Even in your heart, don't even have to raise your hand. Just right now between you and God, say, God, I'm going to take what's in my hand and I'm going to give it to you. And you watch God put his super on your natural and he'll turn something miraculous out of it. All he needs, he took a staff in Moses' hand and parted a Red Sea. He brought water out of a rock. We've got to think higher. They're in the desert. 
They're thirsty. There's no water around. Staff to rock. That's a picture of the whip to Jesus' back. And now we have water for the nations that you drink once and you'll never be thirsty again. So Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, that you'll come. Lord, and you'll touch every heart in this room. You'll take us from complaining and murmuring to rejoicing and seeing from heaven. God, I pray that you would fill their hands with miracles, signs, and wonders. God, I pray that you would fill their heart, which would lead to their mouth with the gospel. God, I pray that they would do something with what you have given them today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Here you go, John.